I needed to make peace with failure, right? Understanding that failure is an option. It is an option. However, you don't fail if you are taking what you have learned and you go and do it again and do it again and do it again, right? I know people are so afraid of failure that they just say, I'm not going to do this because this is going to be too painful. I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cashflow. Welcome in, Contrarian Cashflow. I've got Jennifer Maldonado with me this afternoon. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What about you, John? Oh my gosh, I am doing outstanding. 2021 is off to a great start so far. Hope it is for you. And uh, so for those of you that don't know, so Jennifer is a real estate entrepreneur, a high-performance coach, author, educator, and a lead speaker in the Women's Real Estate Network. So Jennifer, I know you've got a ton on your plate as, as always. What do you have going on right now? Well, I'm super excited, as you mentioned. First of all, our Women Real Estate Network keeps growing. We just opened another two chapters, one in Vegas and another one just in Austin, Texas. So that's getting a lot of (laughs) attention, right? Because we are really growing fast. And I'm heading that way. I'm heading, tapping into the women who wants a different kind of life, right? And real estate has been that vehicle to allow them to catch that spark to to really move forward. And that's what I'm working on. Also, I have been super, super busy with two things, as you mentioned, teaching people how to raise capital. And I got started investing in Extend the Same Hotel. So I, I can tell you a little bit about it as we go through the conversation. But yeah, that's what I'm working on. It's always, it's, it's always something new, right? Oh. <laughs> always, always bringing something new into the portfolio. It never gets boring. It never gets boring. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited for this conversation. And one of the main reasons is I think your, your story and your journey is so interesting. I think in so many within the audience can kind of relate to it and, you know, having these expectations and these dreams and goals growing up. And, and I know me personally, I, I can as well, right. You know, kind of having aspirations, mine weren't as concrete as yours were, but, you know, having this, you know, magic number of income that you thought if you hit, you know, you were going to reach this level of attainment and satisfaction and happiness. I mean, because all the things we alluded to don't really speak to the success you had in your professional career, right? I mean, you're a, you know, a seasoned industrial engineer, process improvement expert, and that's on top of you know, everything else that now you're doing <laughs> on the real estate and capital raising side. So let's start from the beginning. So you know, obviously, you didn't start off as the real estate investor and capital raiser, you know, coach and everything. So how did you kind of get started in a professional realm? I'd, I'd love to kind of get going from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so first of all, John, thank you so much for having me in your in your podcast, in your platform. Um, I know you bring a lot of great information and a lot of great speakers to help, you know, your audience with tools, strategies and great information, not only from the technical perspective, but from a very deep perspective, right? Start with us. And that's the thing that helped a lot of people break through and get to the next level. So how did I start it? I mean, I 
Honestly, let me tell you about this, John.、Uh, people see the successful engineer who work for. 500 Fortune companies, and yes, I took a leap of faith into real estate investing and got involved with real estate transactions that total around seven million so far today.、Um, and also, people see the women who assist real estate investors create passive income and and leads this community right that provides ideas, knowledge, and resources to probably over seven thousand women in real estate. But behind the scenes, I, like most people, I struggle on finding my spark every day on on discovering my drive, my motivation, to get through the obstacles that didn't allow me to become the best version of myself. Right, and and Nalva, you mentioned that. Like, tell me about your journey. These questions trigger a memory, especially important for me, and it's it's what it shifted everything. So I remember that time when I make a decision, right, John? Just imagine this, John, jumping into a plane alone with five bags to move to a country where you barely speak the language, and you are fa- far from family, friends, and and your support system, and still you decided to move to this country for a lifetime opportunity. You know that this is it. Something in your gut tells you that you're heading to your destination, right? That that you know you don't know exactly where it is, but you know you're going there, and you got it because. You gotta make it work because you don't see any other way, right? And a lot of people travel to the U.S. or they move from state to state looking for that one lifetime opportunity. Because in reality, as it turns out, your ability to adapt quickly to to a new environment and overcome your geographical limitations and what comes with that can make the difference between surviving and thriving in in life. So, and that was me in 2008 when I moved from Puerto Rico to the U.S. And I wish I have a, a novel and a strong reason at the moment, but but I didn't have it. The only thing I knew, right, is that when I was playing at my mom's kitchen, I was eight years old, and she asked me what I was going to do when I grow up. And innocently, I told her that I will have the best job ever, and that was working in a chocolate factory. But before that, I needed to work in a place where they did baby lotions because babies smell extremely good. There was no other reason, right? And at 23 years old, I was working at Johnson and Johnson, and two years later, two years later, I I started working for Nestle USA, and and I want I want you to picture this. Think about this. Just a simple dream or a reason of working in chocolate factory made me jump in, on a plane to go for my dream. Right? Imagine having a strong reason and a deep desire to the deep desire of the best life possible. So during that job as an industrial engineer, I was placed into a high-performance leading role, where I was leading men who had got grandchildren of my age, and I am this young Latina women engineer who barely speak the English or the language, and that was a big challenge. But I knew that I wanted to do that, no matter what. Right? It was going. It was going to be challenging. I wasn't. I was very aware of that, and I will admit this. I stumble. I cry often, but I never use any of these situations 
as an excuse to fail because that wasn't an alternative for me. It was my choice to succeed no matter my background, where I came from, any of that, because something within me keep me focused, keep me driven towards my dreams and resilient when those problems arrive. So yes, it was frustrating um, and, you know, trying to do my best and feeling that I was stuck. And at that moment, the thing getting in my way was just my lack of ability to communicate properly. And I worked really hard on learning English and honoring my struggle. And regardless of any of those challenges, John, I managed to do a remarkable job with Nestle. And on 2012, I was offered a six-figure income promotion to lead manufacturing operations for one of the the biggest facilities for Nestle. And I have to let you know this. I love and admire Nestle leaders and what they stand for. They were my mentors at that time, my inspiration, my guidance. So it was really hard to make the decision I did to reject that promotion. But why I decided, what did I decide to take a different path, a contrarian path is how you call it, right? What did I quit my job when I was on my way to go up in the corporate ladder? I was being honest with myself. I study engineering because the status that come with it, it, I wanted to fit in this box that my parents had for me and I was raised in a low income environment and where my parents live paycheck to paycheck. I saw them work hours after hours just to pay the bills and try to give us a really good life. And, you know, engineering or studying a very prestigious career was the way out of poverty for them. And, you know, that was third path, their journey, but deeply inside, I knew that there was something better for me, more, more meaningful, right? I, I love the fact that I work as an engineer and, and all of that, but I decided to follow my heartfelt mission to leave this world better by helping other people create wealth to real estate investing so they can become the best version of themselves, right? Either in real estate or use real estate as a vehicle to follow their dreams. And that's why I got involved with one of the fastest uh, women in founding the fast, one of the fastest women real estate network. And that that's it. So if you ask me about my pad and why I did what I did, it was a matter of integrity and who I am. And I think that we shall inspire to be free to live our full potential and inspire others to do the same. And real estate allowed me to express myself by bringing wealth to passive investors, by being an inspiring light uh, to many people, even during these challenging times, John. So I will say that that's my journey (laughs) in short. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, no, that's outstanding. And I mean, you touched on so many things there that I'd like to dig into a little bit deeper. So around the parental side, you know, obviously, I mean, that's why I'm so glad we can share your story because I think it is so empowering to folks that, you know, that may have those challenges or may, you know, be coming from a different background that, you know, that they're kind of trying to dig out of or get out of or to help their family and others. So I think the the parental side's tough, right? Because your parents always want to protect you and keep you safe, right? So the allure of a high paying corporate job sounds safe, 
Right. And so how did you kind of deal with that aspect that, you know, Hey, this is kind of what my parents wanted for me. This is where they want me to be so that I can, you know, be successful and, you know, help others and help myself. How did you deal with that, you know, dichotomy of potentially jumping into the entrepreneurial side that, you know, I mean, most would argue is, is much riskier than a short-term much riskier than uh, the corporate side. Yes. And, and, it, it can feel that way, I have to tell you. And I kind of tell you the secret. I remember when I quit my job, I took a, a, a vacation, right, of three months. <laughs> and that vacation, one of, uh, I spent like a month at my parents' house and I didn't even know how to tell them, mom and dad, I quit my job. Oh yeah, they gave me that promotion, but I quit my job. So I hide it from my parents for three months because I needed to prepare myself to stand for what I really believe and let them know that I know that their intention was to protect me, to show me their love, but also I needed to give back to them their fears and their, their feeling of security, right? I needed to make sure that I was following my path. So breaking through that, it was very challenging, especially for my dad. You know, my dad is very traditional and he thinks like you get married, you get a job and you buy a house and you have a stability. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe during your times that was working very well. But right now things have changed. And not only that, I'm not I don't want to do something that I'm not passionate about. And don't get me wrong. I mean, engineering gave me a lot of tools. It gave me a lot of perspective on how to think about things, on how to solve problems, it helped me become a problem solver. I think that that was one of the biggest things I got out of engineering, right? You never find uh, an unsolvable problem. There's always a way. When there is a will, there is a way. And delivering that message to my parents um, was very challenging especially that as soon as I told my dad, he went crazy. He's like, how are you going to leave your secure job with Nestle? And I'm like, dad, let me tell you this. I know that you are used to build this life where you just want to leave comfortable or at least be able to pay your bills. But I want more because I know that for me, for you, we deserve better than, than live a life out of integrity. And it took a while for them to understand that. And I remember my dad calling me very often to see if I had money, if I was paying my bills. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but I have to tell you this, I, I have to really build a, an emotional cycle to be able to overcome other people's pressures. And sometimes it took from me like, to think about F what other people think, right? I know where I want to go. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to achieve. And I know that deeply inside all my heart, all my soul, I was called to do this, right? And that's, that's how I handled that. So I let my parents be my parents. I let them be. I honored them. I acknowledged their fears, their challenges. And at the same time, I stand on my ground and I establish boundaries. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenging 
things when the people close to you don't believe in what you are doing, right? You have to establish boundaries and really start hanging out what I call with the crazy people, the, the doers, the believers, the one, the ones that sometimes sometimes they will lend you their confidence or their knowledge so you can go ahead, borrow it, build with it, and then you can give it back to them, right? So I shifted my environment to make sure that where I was heading, I have a support system because when I move, I left that behind. And the way of thinking with the people that I grew up was very different. Now they are my followers and my big supporters, but it took a while to build that with my parents, with my friends, with my family and the people around me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I think that's the same for for most parents, right? Or almost all parents, right? Is they want that security and they're, you know, obviously they want the best for you. And so they don't want to see you fail and struggle, right? That's the biggest fear is like you said, your dad was calling you, you know, asking, hey, are you able to pay your bills? Are you able to work this through? I want to kind of feel out how did you get to the point where you said, you know, I want to live the life that I want and, and reach those levels of aspirations, you know, through entrepreneurship and primarily through real estate. How did you get that clarity? Because again, I think so many audience are struggling with that because they're working in a career that pays them quite well, you know, maybe deem it the golden handcuffs, but they know that there's maybe something more out there for them that could offer them more fulfillment or like you said, that spark getting up in the morning every day. So what was the journey and the process for you getting to that self-realization? Definitely. I mean, (sighs) let's go there. (laughs) You know, we, we have responsibilities, right? We have to pay bills and, and we have to make sure that we're meeting those commitments. And because I didn't have kids in a family, I honestly jump without a parachute, right? I'm like, yeah, I want to go there. I'm like, Oh, how do I get there? Right. I didn't have a plan and I don't recommend anyone to do that. What I have, it was this feeling inside of me, everything, my mind, my body, my soul, everything told me that that was the path that I needed to go. And I don't know if people believe in God, the universe or whatever it is that they believe, right? But all of the higher power, God, universe, whatever you believe, told me that that was the direction I needed to go, right? And for me, being a very logical person, and, and have my left brain working most of the time, doing that jump, it took a lot of courage. It did. And I, I just knew it was the right thing. But how do you do that, right? There's multiple things that came to my mind. The first one is I needed to make peace with failure, right? Understanding that failure is an option. It is an option. However, you don't fail if you are taking what you have learned and you go and do it again and do it again and do it again, right? I know people are so afraid of failure that they just say, I'm not going to do this because this is going to be too painful. The entrepreneurship journey, yes, you will have struggles. Yes, it will be painful sometimes. It will. But it's not until you understand the importance of that journey to build the character, to to really build the strategies, the tools, the the mindset, everything. 
you need that journey in order to prepare you to receive the blessings that come after that. And a lot of people see the top of the iceberg and the beautiful things, as I mentioned before, the success and everything. What they don't see is the times that we have to hold our breath under the water to get there. The times that we could not pay the bill and somehow put our pride <laughs> somewhere and call who we needed to call to pay that bill to ask for help, right? And I think that that was one of the magical things for me. It was the ability to, to reconcile with failure, to see it from a different perspective. And only when I was able to let go the fear, when I was able to build um, a different perspective on success, I was able to really jump over that hoop, over that hill so how does people do that? I think the first thing is you need to, to make sure that, you know, this is what you really want. It's, it has to be that strong reason in your heart for you, for the people that you love the most. And you have to make sure that that reason will justify what's coming for you. After that, I mean, John, yes, I invest in a lot of real estate edu education, but I also invest in a lot of self-development, things that will help me create what I call the success cycle, right? And if you haven't heard about it, it's it's a comprehensive approach. It starts with the belief, it goes to the rewards and risks, it goes to, you know, understanding what's happening and then you create some habits and you know you evaluate the situation and you go and do it again right so building that success cycle allow me to go over this challenge right when I quit my job the decision was I had that gut feeling and I knew it was real estate I didn't have a plan to not recommend to anybody <laughs> no need to go through that pain <laughs> but I didn't have a plan, but I knew it was real estate. And after that, I understood too that first of all, I have to humble myself, right? Because I came from this world that you're supposed to be the know-it-all to this world that I'm the one that doesn't even know what an escort company is. So I humbled myself and I knew that I could tap in other people's knowledge, leverage other people's knowledge, not only money, but knowledge and experiences to really grow right? And after that, work with my beliefs, work with my habits, and go and do it again, get that first deal, go and learn and do it again and again and again, until it becomes a habit of being successful and learn from the little things from the failures that maybe in the past were painful, and we were not happy to admit. But I will say that that's how people can make that jump and overcome that. John, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's so powerful. And I think kind of the way I equate it to sometimes, cause you mentioned fear, right? And I think that's just a, such a powerful word. And, and, you know, for most it's an unfortunate word, but that fear of failure is just, I think that's what keeps most people from making that act, taking those actions to say, well, what if I fail? What if I'm not able to be successful? And like you said, you just have to be at peace with that because you know, hopefully you're failing on a daily basis or, you know, at least, you know, you're, you're pushing yourself enough. So you're not yeah. attaining those goals in front of you, you know, easily because otherwise then your goals and aspirations aren't high enough. So no, I just, the way you articulated that was so empowering. So I know I really appreciate uh, you sharing that. So 
you know, if we just talked, you quit, you did real estate. So, you know, what was in between? So, so how did you get to real estate and why did you think that was going to be your ticket to this, you know, tremendous opportunity? It's a funny story. I, I think that everything started in my childhood. <laughs> I can blame and bless my brothers and my parents with that, right? <laughs> One of the things that I used to love to do with my family, I still love to do it. It's just my dad doesn't want to play anymore. It's uh, play the game Monopoly. There's other cool games now, but we used to play Monopoly together and I, I always was, I was always losing against my brothers and my dad. And that really make me mad. And I'm like, why I'm always losing? Why I'm always failing? And they're always, you know, winning this game. So I told my dad that one day I was going to have as many properties as I had on, on the Monopoly game. And my dad laughed at me and he told me, girl, you know, you have to have a lot of money to do that. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm poor. I don't have any money, right? So for a lot of years after I started in engineering, I, I thought that I needed a lot of money. And it was supposed to be my own money. And I know that these mindsets cost millions or billions of dollars for people that let opportunities go by because they believe that they have to have all of these money. Not when you start getting involved with the people in real estate, when you learn that new idea, that new concept that can shift your entire career. And I went into real estate education. I was still working in engineering on on 2012. I was still working in engineering. And I spoke with my brother about the Monopoly game. And we were chatting about exactly what I share with you, following our heartfelt mission. My brother, he's a surveyor. And now he has his own company too, right? But the two of us decided that we wanted to quit at the same time. So, And we won't tell our parents. But what happened is through that process, I start surrounding myself with, you know, uh, people who were in real estate. I start going to events. I start also attending real estate education. I start attending um, personal development for two years before I quit my job. And that prepared me for that moment. But what happened after I quit my job, John, is... I have a little bit of money safe. It was probably around forty dollars to $50,000. And that money needed to give me the ability to at least get, get into a few deals so I can get the business rolling and survive in California. Well, I found myself with $35 on my account and I was getting one deal here and there, but I wasn't making money. And I honestly... I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And I remember this month where I'm sitting at my house crying because I could not figure out what I was doing wrong. And that meant to me that I needed to go back to my job and to be open with you. I don't know if I had the strength to go back not having a support system. So my money went away pretty quickly between paying bills between and trying to invest in so many assets, trying to focus in so many strategies that at the end, I was like, "Ah, how do I pay my stuff right now? So my credit cards were maxed out. So I'm trying to figure out $35 on my account that I can go and eat something or what I'm going to do. So here's what happened. 
I remember, and, and this is so important. I remember crying that day all day. And I got a call from a friend and that friend actually is the founder of the Women Real Estate Network. And that, that I, I helped her found it too, the Ren Inspire ones. And I remember she told me, Jen, why you don't come to this event? It's a real estate network event and he's here in Burbank, California and this and that. And I'm like, I, I was devastated, but I'm like, you know what? I know I have to go. And when I go to the event for the first time on my life, I really saw what was happening um, on how people were using other people's money. And through that process, as the guy is speaking, I told him like, how do you do this? How do you talk to people and raise capital? And he just gave me, you know, an appointment for the next day. So I spent $10 on the event. So I now have 25. So the next day I decided to go to that meeting with him and he told me what he was doing. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. I know, I know some people that have some monies. And that was the startup of my career as capital racer. When I was broke, when I didn't have anything to, to show for, and when I was struggling, in fact, I even interviewed for a job that it was 15 minutes from my house and I got the job. Like it took me like two interviews and I was in. I remember I make a couple of phone calls. I didn't have an idea what I was doing, John, uh, but I knew that there was a good deal and there was money needed. That's what I need, right? And I spoke with this partner and I became a partner with this guy, raising capital. And we were hands-on. I was learning about development. I was learning about acquisition and I was getting paid just because one day I made that decision and I knew I was at the point of going back to a job. And after that, I have to tell the other people, oh, by the way, I can't start a job. I can't do this. So... And that's how I start raising capital with a partner that have a lot of experience just because I decide to show up. And I will say that that was one of my projects. I raised around $700,000 in matters of two months and a half for my first time. That was amazing, right? People is like, oh, this is your first time raising capital? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it what people do? <laughs> That was the start of that. Before that, yes, I got a duplex, right? And, and that was my first investment. I have $12,000 on my 401k. I used that money and put it as a down payment. And I was living in one side and I was renting the other one. So that right there was paying for my mortgage. So um, I would still have to pay a little bit. I think it was like $35 extra <laughs> on, on my mortgage in California, which it was like amazing, but also timing was on my favorite. It was 2012, right? So four years later, guess what? I sold that property and I net $250,000 just on that one project, a part of all the other projects that were happening for me. So that's what it happens between, you know, the real estate career and that, what happened between that, a lot of education, a lot of mindset development. And then I just, I was ready. I was ready for the teacher to show me how I was able to do that. So it reminds me of that picture, right? Where, or, you know, in thinking, think, think and grow rich when he talks about, you're just three feet away from the gold, right? You just got to keep hammering at it. And, you know, just, just the way you were describing it and you're talking about, you know, I only had $35 left in my bank account. You know, it would have been so easy just to fall back and say, okay, you know, I, I tried, I gave it my shot. 
this just isn't meant to be for me, you know? And then that, that one ticket that just, you know, took you on this exponential growth curve, but also kind of going back to, I mean, you were a motivated child. I mean, you hit all of your, you hit all of your <laughs> desires, right? You know, you got the monopoly <laughs> money, you got the chocolate factory, you got the baby lotion. I mean, geez, you know, what else were you thinking back then? <laughs> right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I told my mom and, and it's so wonderful. I told my mom that one day I was going to be on this table making big decisions. And my mom always laughed and told me, girl, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. You don't know how to think small. And, and I felt guilty for a long time that I didn't knew how to think small. And now I can see the pros and the cons of that, right? <laughs> you, you <laughs> so have to talking believe about motivation. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and and kind of, you know, where you were able to get to, I mean, I'm sure many of the, many of the feats you've accomplished to date, you know, you probably didn't even think were possible. You know, if you look back at yourself in, in 2012, (laughs) 2013. So, well, so one thing you talked about, you know, being an industrial engineer by trade, you know, that logical side. So I know there's a lot of influence that goes on with that, right? You know, you've got to get different groups to, to change their mannerisms and change their work habits, but how were you able to repurpose the success and the knowledge base from an industrial engineer to now all of a sudden raising hundreds of thousands to eventually millions of dollars in capital? I mean, that, you know, just from an outsider looking in, that seems like a very, you know, large, you know, delineation between skill sets. Yes. Well, it's, it's interesting that you point that out because I, that, that's a pretty frequent question. How do you shift from an industrial engineer to do this, right? And, and I'm going to tell you this, John, especially because I'm very personable. People doesn't tend to think about me as an engineer because they think that engineers are these like weird kind of guys and they they wear flip-flops and shorts silicon valley kind of style and then they see me that i love to dress well and i love my heels no heels no deals so (laughs) (laughs) that's obviously no heels no deals if i cannot make a deal happen being in my feminine energy then there's no deal right that's what i mean with that but they see me and they say how do you, you, right? And I'm like, okay, me, yeah, sorry. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) How do you take the left brain and what you have learned and do that hoop, that jump into real estate entrepreneurship? And I told them one of the most versatile careers I have seen is industrial engineering. And the only reason for that is if there's something that we master is the ability to set up systems and processes and do it in a way that optimizes your resources. You know what that means for a business, correct? You can go from nothing, from the zero to one, like Peter Thiel. He has a really good book about that. Um, he was one of the partners of PayPal with Elon Musk. So I can take a business from zero to one. And the more I learn about the business, the more I can use the industrial engineer skills, the processes, the optimizations, the the try and error uh, corrections, right? The more I do this, the more easy it becomes to me to just replicate and grow my business in raising capital, in acquisitions, and bringing the right people to help me to deploy these projects. So it's no very different. I know that we think about engineering as these complex math stuff. Yes, that's a component of it. But all of that math comes to the result, right? To the outcome that it's 
it's been a shift. So for me, it was easy to just come and say, hey, you know, I'm going to raise capital. The first thing I need to do is I need to find the investors. And after I find the investors, what do I do? I talk to them, right? And I can talk to them through many ways, through many channels. So what is that the investors needs, right? The investors are my clients and they're my partners and they are, they're, they're people. So how do I need to talk to them? How do I need to approach them? So you start asking all of these questions and you build your processes and systems to make sure that they support those questions. After I do that, it's like, okay, now that they have this, what do they need to make a decision if they want to invest or not? And that's when you find out, how do you pitch a deal? How do you put it together? How do you present that deal to help them take a decision, right? And how do you do it in an effective and efficient way? That's where the engineering mind comes, right? And after that, it's about closing. And guess what? Doing it again and again and again. That's how you easily build in 30 days, in 60 days, a hundred list of potential investors. And you follow these processes and systems in order to qualify them to. Because I am a strong believer in relationships. As an industrial engineer, human factor is one of the key indicators or, or the best resources that you have. Yes, there's machines. Yes, we design all of that, but a machine cannot function without a human. And a human, it's, it's, a, it's one of the most efficient and amazing resources out there when they have the right tools and strategies to do so. So I use the human factor and I combine both of them in a way that it produces the results I want and it does it very fast, very quickly. To give an example, recently on, it was uh, November when we got a deal in Tempe, Arizona. You know, I don't know if you're very familiar with Arizona, but it was an extended stay motel. We got it for a discounted price and we were converting that hotel. My partner calls me and says, Jennifer, we have this awesome deal and this and that and this and that. I'm like, okay, how much money we need? Oh, we just need a million dollars. I'm like, oh, okay, that's easy. When are we closing? In 30 days. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we need this much money upfront in the upcoming two days. I just wanted to kill him, right? But it was that moment that I have to bring all of those skills as an industrial engineer and the human relationship portion to be able to get it done. So in matters of two weeks, I raised a million dollars and we were, you know, putting it together and closing that deal. But that's how you use industrial engineer. That's how you do you know, that jump, you use that strength and what you know, you identify what it works and what it doesn't work. Whatever it doesn't work for you, you just bring someone that knows how to do it, right? <laughs> and then you go ahead and you implement. If you can combine those stuff, you create systems and processes that help you deliver outcomes. And I think that that was, from a technical perspective, that's how I use industrial engineering that ability to create process and systems with the least amount of errors and mistakes, go implement them, see the results and go start all over again and see what worked and what didn't work.
No, I think that's tremendous. And I mean, anybody that's looking to scale or begin their own business, when you talk about systems and being able to, you know, create repeatable processes and things, I mean, that's just, that's what everybody's trying to do, right? So you just kind of had a jump start from the engineering perspective, but also the other (laughs) part of that that you mentioned was, I think people struggle with is understanding how to leverage the skills they've learned from a career, from education, whatever it is into more of an entrepreneurial background. And so for someone like myself coming from a sales background, you know, fear of rejection, losing a deal, you know, those are just things we deal with on a daily basis, right? Putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, asking people for the sale, asking people for the funds, you know, those are things that for me, from a sales perspective, I'm just used to. So when somebody tells me no, to me, you know, I just shrug it off. It's like, okay, well then they're just not the right person. I got to go to the next person. So, you know, I think that's just tremendous. So that would be another thing I would just have the audience, you know, kind of go back internal and say, you know, be it, uh, you know, a doctor, an executive, a sales professional, you know, an instructor, whatever the case is, right? You've got a set of challenges that you're working to fix and, and, you know, overcome on a daily basis. So how can you repurpose those into an entrepreneurial venture or a real estate venture, you know, reach the same outcomes? Obviously, you know, the variables and the dynamics are not going to be exactly the same, but being able to repurpose those skills that you've learned, you know, because everybody has a tremendous set of skills, regardless of, you know, what their background is. So no, I, I really appreciate that perspective. So last thing before we wrap up with the contrarian three pack, I have a question around. So how did capital raising become your bread and butter, right? You're this industrial engineer. It seems like, Hey, the underwriting, you know, kind of, Hey, let me look at the deal. Let me get under the hood. Let me get in the spreadsheet. Let me do all these numbers, you know, Oh, we can cut here. We can cut there. You know? So I guess just, you know, outsider looking in industrial engineer seems like they'd be more on the technical side or the underwriting side, but I mean, you're at the forefront. I mean, you're the tip of the spear, you know, you're, you're bringing the money in the door so that you can make sure that you guys get to the closing table and, you know, you can celebrate with champagne afterwards. So, so yeah, yeah. Well, how did you get to the capital raising side of the business? Yeah, definitely. I have to tell you, this funny that you mentioned this because I, I always get asked the same question. Um, but I, I think it's a lot about perception, right? I have to tell you, I do all of these other things. I'm very analytical. And sometimes my partners get irritated a little bit with me because I'm like, this doesn't make sense, right? And at the same time, one of the things that I developed, what, and this is really good. When I moved to this country that I didn't speak English because I didn't have the ability to talk or speak properly, I become a better listener. And by becoming a better listener, I was putting more attention and understanding how people think, how people make decisions. What is that they really need to you know, see if this is something that they want. So I spent probably like three or four years, you know, trying to figure out what people was telling me on English with their bodies, with their minds, with their eyes, with everything. So yes, I was always personable and sociable, although I'm an introvert, John, people don't believe that, but I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm just socially open. But I, I, did, I did took the time to understand people. And, and I, always, I was always fascinated by psychology and how people do what they do, you know, how they advance further faster without overwhelming themselves. That was my engineering mind, trying to understand the human side and how they think. So as I'm going through that process, I start learning a lot how people make decisions and what kind of information they need and, and what is important for an investor. And yes, I have to tell you, numbers are critical. 
Can you manipulate numbers? People don't know this, but yes, you can. But normally you can figure that out too, right? But numbers are numbers and there's no emotions at all with numbers. However, when you go to the human side, even if you are the most brilliant investor, there is an emotional factor that you need to understand. And I have spoke with billionaires too, and you're surprised. They, they present these cold face and they want to know the numbers. But it's not until you take the time to lessen what they're saying and what they're trying to do that you are really capable of help them jump that, you know, heal. Like, yeah, I understand this is what you're looking for. I understand your needs. And let me tell you how I'm going to solve the problem. And by the way, in order for you to work with me, this is a mutual relationship. This is not me begging for money. This is me bringing an opportunity. And I think this is a great opportunity for A, B, C, and D. And you know it. Now tell me what is that you need specifically to feel that the numbers can justify that. So a lot of people like look at me, it's like feelings. Yeah, feelings. So the capital racer came with that. I became a capital racer because I can talk the most technical things and do the most logical things, but then I can translate to the people. And, and that's, that's a skill that I haven't seen. Normally, you are a great story, a storyteller and a, a people's person, or either you are a numbers person. For me, the experience in engineering, the experience that I wasn't able to speak forced me to learn to lessen and understand human needs before anything else, develop these unique skills of translating the numbers world into humans, uh, you know, conversation so they can make decisions. I think that that's how I became a capital racer. And I did have mentors for both of them, the sales portion and the numbers portions and coaches. But I think that that was something that was very unique for me. I think listening in general is such an underutilized skill, right? You know, I always think of the, we have two ears and one mouth, use them proportionally. And, and, you know, I think, you know, from my background as a sales professional and, and obviously in raising for investments as well, I think you really have to get to the root cause of what that, what your audience and what your avatar's problem is, right? You know, what are they looking to solve, right? I'm in a group right now, kind of, we were talking through that. And I think it just shows, you know, how well you understand marketing and psychology. And I think those are the things that really are the root of success in this entrepreneurship stuff. The product, the service to, in my mind is irrelevant, understanding what your audience is looking for and how your problem or how your solution solves that problem for them is what makes you successful. And so it's just, it's so awesome to listen to you talk through that because I can tell, you know, most of a lot of, a lot of folks that are looking to raise capital are really more telling you, Hey, this is great because of X, Y, and Z, instead of saying, Hey, what are you looking for? Hey, this is why I think this opportunity aligns with your expectations of a return profile from a risk tolerance, from whatever, you know, whatever you're looking to do. And I just think that that's so powerful because Again, that's why I'm sure you were able to have exponential growth because you actually took to heart what you what what your audience was telling you instead of just force feeding them what you want them to know. Yeah, yeah, John, and I have to tell you this because people get amazed, and sometimes I have capital racers because they're calling me because the investors told them that they needed to check with me first. So just doing what you describe, 
just separate yourself from anybody else. I wish you can see the emails I get every time. Investors telling me, Jen, I'm receiving a million dollars before I talk to anybody else. Can you please let me know if you have something? They come first to me. And, and there's capital, other capital racers chasing them while they're chasing me to find the opportunities. And sometimes when I don't have anything that I think it might be good, guess what I do? I take the other investments and I go to them and I tell them, listen, if I was looking into this project, this is the main concerns I have. And this is the good things I see. And I send them the information because I don't see other capital raisers as competition. I don't see them as competitors. I see them as someone that wants to bring opportunity to my uh, partner or my money partner. And that money partner trusts me enough to even ask for my evaluation from another person. So that's what you build. That's the kind of relationship you build when you start really listening to people. You stop being a commodity and you become the person. And, and I think you describe that very well, just because you understand the needs and you listen to what they're telling you. I love that. you know. And, and like you said, you don't want to be the commodity. I think a lot of folks that are looking to raise capital right now are doing it more from, from a commodity perspective. But the other thing you just mentioned is that abundance mindset. And I think that's another thing that's just allowed you to have those leaps and bounds of success is because you're not fearful of those around you, of what they can achieve and what can they can attain. And again, it's led to more people coming to trust you instead of, you know, you trying to hoard them and not, you know, give insight into, into other deals. So, well, I guess the audience heard that. So anytime they need help vetting a deal, they can send it your way and you'll give them your two cents on it. So I appreciate you doing that for them. Yeah, of course I do. I do. It's like, of course, I mean, my investors left me because of that. They know, and, you know, they talk to me very openly where they are financially, personally, spiritually, emotionally. And sometimes there are deals that I bring to the table as I'm talking to them. I'm the first one I say, you know what? I don't think this is the best deal for you right now. I think that you might want to look for a deal like this that help you out. I tell them no for my deals. <laughs> Who does that, right? And it's like, I'm not worried about it. And just because I do that, I don't have a problem, but if I see another deal that might look good and the people behind looks good, or I know those people because that's a critical thing, right? When someone brings me a deal, if I don't know them, I told them, first of all, do the vetting on them. Here's what I think about the deal, right? But when I know the people and how they perform, that's why other capital racers love me too. They call me, Jim, do you have any of your investors that have some money to be placed? And I'm like, eh, what you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I love that. And I mean, yeah, anybody, anybody that's listening to this, that I, I just think capital raising and general is such an important skill set, regardless if it's for particular deals, but just if you're going down an entrepreneurial venture and like you talked about before, you know, being able to empower others and give them a solid return through a relationship. So, all right, well, let's wrap up with the contrarian three pack. So I know you've gone, you know, all over the board from a real estate perspective, but um, is there one that sticks out to you in particular that may be the most contrarian investment that you've made throughout your career? Yes. (laughs) Uh, There's actually... I have lose money and I have win money. <laughs> um, contrarian career, I honestly feel very safe investing in uh, real estate. And I think that one of the biggest challenges or contrarian uh, in real estate was investing in non-performing notes when I didn't have an idea about it. It's just, I saw who was behind that. 
I didn't even knew how to underwrite that specific project. Of course, it was my money. I tend to be a little bit more risky with my own money. But I look back and I think that sometimes ignorance can be a blessing. (laughs) Um, I ended up investing in in a project that I didn't have an idea how it looked like. I just knew that the person behind that knew what they were doing. And I I was following them for a while. So I went ahead and invest in non-performing notes. And it worked on that one. And I have another project that I learned how to underwrite this and it didn't work. So (laughs) it's sometimes you get out of your comfort zone, as you mentioned, and and invest in things that you don't know in assets. Sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not. I don't like to play that game, but I did it. And my next steps now, a power of real estate investment, um, I'm going to be looking into technology seriously. So I already started doing some research, but technology is something that is has caught my attention a lot. Of course, my geeky side, engineering side. But I will say that that was the most contrarian. You know, it's it it was it wasn't the normal investment. It was paper. It was for more sophisticated investors, and I I decided that I wanted to try it, and I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it, John. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, just I guess. 10,000 foot view just for the audience. So if, if they don't understand non-performing notes, can you just give like a, you know, two sentence synopsis of, of what that entails? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Yeah. We were normally, like I normally invest in the hard asset, right? And, and it's the, the property, the, the thing that you can touch. Now the, the performing or the notes, right? It's the paper. It's a legal paper that says that you have a legal right claim against a property because someone make you a promise that they were going to pay you in exchange of you lending the money to acquire an asset, right? If you are doing a paper based in hard assets, just to be clear on that. So, and then in the world of notes, there's the performing notes, the ones that people pay, and there's the non-performing notes, the ones that people are partially paying or not paying. So you get to be the bank, right? You get to have that legal paper. You don't own the property, but you own that paper that gives you the right to do something with that property. If that person, company, or whoever you lend the money doesn't pay you as agree. That's the easiest way to describe a, a note. No, absolutely. Appreciate that. So well, so I know we've talked a lot of technical stuff. We've talked about, you know, your background, your growth, but uh, closing deals and heels. But uh, so what's your favorite thing outside of the business side, you know, get out with friends, family to do outside of work? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I'm a very, I'm very active. I love traveling. Uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into real estate, it was I wanted to go to three places in the world that I have never been before in a year. And that's, that's been my mode, right? So I love traveling. It's one of the things that allows me to experience people, to learn more, to come back with more energies. And lately, what I have been doing, I got this thing on my head, John, that I decided that I wanted to learn how to fly a plane. 
So <laughs> I, I did took my first class. My friends recorded me and they, they put like a video together. I will have to share it because everyone is asking me to share it in Facebook and Instagram. And I even landed the plane. So that was very exciting for me. So other things I love to do. I love traveling. I love um, flying planes and I love working out. I love exercising a lot. What's your what's your favorite place that you visited so far? If you could call out one. Oh my God. Recently I was in Cancun and I went to Tulum in Mexico and I I didn't want to come back. I will admit it. I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, it's like being home, but it was slightly different. A lot of beautiful energy, uh, a lot of uh, beautiful experiences. And it was very different, very peaceful, very calm. And I'm like, I want to go back again. So I'm, I'm planning to spend another month in there, probably around July. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, by then maybe you can be flying your own plane, right? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I did well. <laughs> All right. Well, the last one. Um, so we've touched on so many things around mindset and belief and everything, but what does offer you the most fulfillment in life? I would say sometimes, you know, for us, for people that help other people and, and give them the opportunity to meet their dreams. I mean, you, you can ask, even my accountant, she used to work for a very big corporation for as an accountant that trained other corporations and, and how to handle business. She told me that I inspire her to quit that job and start her own business. And she's still my accountant, right? I was one of her clients. I'm like, I'm going with you. So the most fulfilling for me is it's hearing those stories on how do you share something with someone that shifted their lives, their business. And I have seen my, my students going from two to 11 deals in less than a year. The ones that quit their corporate job because, you know, they say that I inspired them. They got into real estate, got a couple of deals and they're out. When you have that influence in people and, and you are able to plant that seed for them to, to grow and, and become the best version of yourself, I have to tell you, John, that's the most rewarding thing. Sometimes when, when you know, there's times that there are di- very difficult things. When I want to give up. I go back to the testimonials. I go back to those text messages. I go back and listen to those voicemails that my students or my partners left me. And that gave me all the strength to just keep going. So knowing that you are part of their growth and that you are part of that inspiration, that spark to help them, I think that's the most fulfilling thing I ever done. So... That's amazing. And obviously, you know, from everything you've said so far, the passion of helping others and, and really empowering them to, to do more and, and togetherness. So, well, Jen, thank you so much. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> um, what's the best way that the audience can get a hold of you out there? I know you've got your book behind you there. You've got courses, coaching, you got deals coming up. So, so how can they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, like I'm starting, um, you know, in that Instagram thing, <laughs> I'm a millennial, but I, they can find me and invest with Jen Maldonado or invest with Janice where they can find me everywhere. I also have my website, Jen Maldonado, but Maldonado is slightly difficult. So it's M-A-L-D-O-N-A-D-O.com. They can find more information, connect with me. They can find me also with Ren Inspires. W-R-E-N inspires.com. I'm one of the leaders in the in the organization too. So you can even Google my name and it's going to come. It's going to show up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, excited to see what you accomplish through uh, through the rest of this year, flying planes all over the place, hanging out in Tulum. And, uh, you know, best of luck to you. And, and thank you so much again for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, John. And thank you for, you know, what you do through your podcast as inspiring people, you know, to, to follow their dreams and go for this awesome real estate journey. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled.